Welcome to Gateway Church's podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. So, all right, so I'm going to begin a series that you've never heard before. It's called The Blessed Life. Brand new series. So, yes, I know that many of you have heard it before, but I used to preach this series every three years because it has to do with your heart, not your money. People don't understand that. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. It's not the other way around. I've actually heard preachers misquote the Scripture and say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. That's not the Scripture. It's not what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, if you want your heart in the kingdom, you put your treasure there. If you want your heart in your marriage, you put your treasure there. If you, if you invest in a stock, you'll start going online and checking on that stock, even though you've never checked on it before in your life and you never cared about it before. Once you put your treasure there, your heart follows. So this is a series about the heart, and that's the name of this first message. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. I need to speak this message again to our church, but I also need to speak it to the world, okay? So it's very, very important. So we're going to talk about it's all about the heart, all right? So uh, Matthew 7, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Now, what you might not know is Luke 6 is a, an encapsulation, a, a physician's account of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's Luke 6 from about verse 20 to verse 49. So, at the end of the chapter, I think 49 would be the last verse in, in Luke 6. But it's um, um, not the whole Sermon on the Mount, but it's part of it, okay? So, I want to show you some parallel passages, and I want to help you understand, because I'm going to show you a verse that's about the heart and attitudes of the heart that we use a lot about money. And I, I, need to, I need to help you see the difference, all right? So Matthew 7, verse 1, I, I want to see if you can pick up what the context or what the theme of this uh, passage is, all right? Watch, I underlined some words so you might, so you can pick up the theme. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Can anyone pick up the theme <laughs> of what that might be talking about? Would you say judging and judgment? Hello? Everyone? Okay. And then he says, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. Look at those verses. And tell me, is the word money anywhere in those two verses? No. Money's not there, right? And what's the theme again? What's he talking about? Judging people, right? Don't judge or you'll be judged. And with whatever judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you give judgment, you'll get judgment back. Okay? Now, I want to go over and show you the parallel passage in Luke, and this is the parallel passage. Anything, I've never heard a theologian in the world say it's not the parallel passage, 
And if any did, they'd be foolish to say something like that because anyone knows it is, all right? So Luke 6, verse 37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. And the end of verse 38 says, For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You see what I'm saying? So that's exactly what we read in Matthew 7. But I want to show you a verse that Luke puts in the middle of those two phrases that is normally used to talk about money, but I want you to watch very carefully and see if you ever see the word money in this passage, all right? Verse 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned or you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Watch verse 38, give. Now again, don't think about money because he's not using the word money here. Give and it will be given to you. Now, he's talking about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Give judgment, give condemnation, give forgiveness, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom, for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. But most of the time, when a pastor gets up and preaches on Luke 6.38, what is he preaching about? money. But money was nowhere in that passage. Nowhere. Now, the word it is in that passage. Give and it will be given to you. It is an objective pronoun. So you have to, you can put a noun in there. And, you know, so if you give money, money will be given back to you. You can use this to apply to money. But that's not the primary meaning. That's all I'm trying to tell you. What's the primary meaning? The primary meaning is an attitude of your heart. Judgment, condemnation, or forgiveness. Give um, apples, and apples will be given back to you. Uh, you know, give laptops, and laptops will be given back to you. Uh, give your pastor coupons for Bluebell ice cream, and Bluebell ice cream, I, I'm sorry. And please don't send me, by the way, any coupons. People, I've made a joke about that, and I get all these coupons in the mail for Lou Bell, and I actually give them to the staff because I can't give them away. The, the, uh, one of the high-ups at Blue Bell sent me, when I was in the hospital, sent me uh, 52 coupons so I could have one half gallon of Blue Bell a week <laughs> a year, for the year, so I could weigh 300 pounds at the end of the year. <laughs> So I, I actually put them up there and told my staff, you, you know, we have 600 full-time, 700 part-time or something like that. And I said, whoever, just when you come up here, whoever, you can only get one per person, but, yeah, and they just like pigs to the trough, you know, <laughs> um, took the coupons. But this is simply saying, give, and whatever you give, it will be given back to you. But every time we use the word give, for some reason, we think the pastor's preaching on money. But the Bible is full of giving. Let me give you the most famous verse of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave. But he didn't give money. He gave a Savior, what we needed. Uh, I was being interviewed for this uh, magazine one time, and the guy interviewing me said, how often do you preach on giving? And I said, every week. And he said, every week. And he said, oh, oh I, I know what you're talking about now. You mean you give like a little five-minute sermonette before you uh, pass the plate? And I said, we don't pass the plate. I said, we've never passed the plate one time at Gateway Church. 
not once, since we began. And he said, well, but you preach on giving every week? I said, well, of course I do. I said, now, you asked me how many times do I preach on giving, but I think what you meant to ask me was how many times do I preach on giving money? But you didn't ask me that. You asked me how many times I preach on giving. I said, I can't preach without preaching on giving your life to Jesus. Every week I'm going to invite people to give their life to Jesus. I said, I can't preach on prayer without talking about giving your heart to God and giving your, your time and energy to God every day to spend time in prayer. I can't preach on marriage definitely without preaching on giving. Because if you're not a giver, you won't make it in marriage. <laughs> Don't punch anybody right now, okay? <laughs> but if you're a selfish person, you're, you're not going to make it in marriage. You have to be a giver. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100 in marriage. It's 100% for both people. So how are we going to develop uh, a generous heart. It's, it's all about giving, okay? And it's about the heart. All right, so Deuteronomy 15 tells us about our heart. So I want you to watch how many times it talks about our heart. Deuteronomy 15 verse 7 says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you. I just want you to notice the Lord God Whatever land you have, God gave it to you. Whatever field you have, whatever your position is, occupation, God gave it to you. Or, or he gave you the ability to do it. And of course, you took that ability and developed it into a skill. I understand that, but God still gave you. You could have been born in a third world country, and, or you, could, you may have, and you may have uh, come here. That's wonderful. But you may have been born even without the mental aptitude to do what you do. So we need to thank God for everything we have. But the land that the, God, the Lord your God is giving you, if there's a poor man within any of your gates, you shall not harden your, what? Heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, that is talking about an attitude of the heart again, and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. So I got four points instead of three this week, but here's, here's the first point. Develop, or deal, pardon me, deal with a selfish heart. If you're going to be a generous person, deal with a selfish heart. Verse 9 says, we're just going to go right through Deuteronomy 15. Verse 9 says, beware lest there be a wicked thought. I just want you to notice God calls selfishness wickedness. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your, what? Heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, which would be jubilee, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Watch this. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. Selfishness. First of all, God calls selfish thoughts wicked thoughts, and he says wicked thoughts become sin among you. And so here's what he was saying. Don't let the thought come in your mind, next year is the year of Jubilee, and all debts are canceled. 
And so if he can't pay me back by next year, then I'll have to cancel his debt. See, God implemented an economic system that every seven years, all debts were canceled. How many of you would like to re-implement God's economic plan? Anyone? All debt canceled every seven years. So in the sixth year, buy yourself a really nice house, okay? He said, don't let the thought come in your mind, "Uh uh-oh, wait, the year of release is at hand. So he won't be able to pay me back. He said, and here's what he called it. That's a wicked thought. He's trying to say, I want my children to be like I am. I want you to be generous. Um, I can't stand it. And I don't think God can stand it when a preacher says, give and you'll get. Now, I believe God rewards and I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to say a statement, and I like to say, say statements with semicolons because if I said it with a period, it wouldn't be true. So you have to understand this first phrase has a semicolon, all right? God does not bless giving. Now, no, not, not a period here, okay, because then, then it would be untrue, but it's a semicolon. God does not bless giving, semicolon. He blesses giving with the right heart. That's what he blesses. So when you give to get, he's not going to bless that because that's selfishness. Here's, I have a question for you. Why did God invent giving? Now, I could say create to make it sound more biblical. And of course, I love the Bible, but God invented giving. You, no, no one else did. It's all through the Bible. He's the one that invented sacrifices, offerings, tithing. God did all that. No, no preacher did it. God did it. So why? I, I was uh, teaching a Bible college one time, and I said to, to the students, why did God create giving? And um, they all had the same answer, basically, uh, to support the work of his kingdom. Now, I want you to just think about this for a moment. I want you to just think with me. I hope you get ahead of me and start laughing because it's hilarious when you think about it. Do you really believe that God needs your money to build his kingdom? The guy who can say, let there be light, and there's light, and he needs your money. Do you really believe that? Think about it. I mean, is, is the light bill in heaven so high that God needs us to give today? Uh, is he running out of gold, which is asphalt for him? That's what he paves his streets with. His foundations are made out of precious stones. He really needs our money? No. So why did God invent giving? Listen, God did not create giving for his sake. He created giving for your sake. He created giving to work greed and selfishness out of our lives, not to work greed and selfishness in our lives, and that's why I can't stand it 
when a preacher preaches, give and you'll get, give and you'll get, because he's actually working greed and selfishness back into your life instead of out of your life. Can you imagine how God feels when a preacher preaches, give and you'll get, give and you'll get, and so people say, well, I'm going to give because I want to get. And then God's thinking, this is great. All of my people are catching the revelation of getting. What if a preacher said, give even if you don't get anything back? And everybody said, I want to give. Whether I get anything back at all from God, I've already got an eternal life. What else do I need? I just want to give. I just want to help people. Did you know, by the way, when I say the blessed life, this, this, this book came about because uh, James Robinson's team said to me 22 years ago, would you come on the program and teach about giving because you teach it like nobody we've ever heard. I don't, I don't teach give to get. I, I don't teach we give to get. I teach we get to give. So we don't give to get, we get to give. But he said, would you come on the program and teach this? And so I did, and then they also said to me, but before, they said, and if you could, write a book. (laughs) And I'd never written a book before. And I said, well, when would you need the book? They said, about two months. (laughs) Now, most of my books take 12 to 18 months. And so I, I, I went away and I dictated eight sermons that I had on giving into a tape recorder. That's how long this ago this was, and then I did a beginning uh, chapter and an end chapter for 10 chapters. And then a ghostwriter who's helped me on many of my books, who was a member of the church, remember the church was small, and we had this extremely talented ghostwriter God had sent us, put it in reading form, because I did it in speaking form, and it's different reading form, it's different speaking form, but obviously it was my content. And so he helped me with that, and then we, no, no publisher would publish it. Nobody knew Robert Morris or Gateway Church. We had 100 to 200 people, you know. So we self-published it, and in the first year, it sold 250,000 copies. And now, it's in over 40 languages and sold millions of copies all over the world, and it's certified an international bestseller. And I forgot how many countries it had to be, has to be in that. And by the way, we've never made a dime on it. Most of you know we gave all the royalties to Gateway Church. And just to let you know, I mean, I've never really, I've never said this figure, but it's three to $500,000 a year. So Debbie and I, by God's grace, get to give to every two to three years a million dollars to the church. Think about that. And it never comes through our hands. We just, we have just, you know, uh, assigned the royalties to Gateway Church. So, and I even had a guy ask me a while back, he said, uh, do you regret it? When you look at how much has gone to the church, I said, not an ounce. Not an ounce. I don't regret it. Because look at all the people that God has used this message. So let me just say something about the blessed life, all right? The word blessed from the, in the Greek is the word makarios. It means happy. Think about the Beatitudes. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, right? So it means happy. So I, I want to show you uh, um, uh, some links to 
um, secular articles, science articles, mathematics articles, sociological articles, none of these are Christian. And I don't mean that in the wrong way, just not putting them down at all. But they did studies that show that something is released in your brain when you're generous. And it makes you happy. Let me read you some of the quotes. There is a positive, this is Time Magazine. Now, they haven't been the most conservative time, uh, article, uh, publication, but didn't. There, there is a positive association between helping others and life expectancy because helping others reduces stress. So you live longer if you're generous. This is also Time Magazine. Studies have shown that older people who are generous tend to have better health. Okay, I know that you're thinking that's someone else, but actually you're older. <laughs> Many of you here are. This is the, 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 the magazine, The Ascent. Generous people were almost three times as likely to report being happy every day than less generous people. Uh, this is the Gallup poll, and they studied 136 countries. 136 countries. People who donated to charity in the past month reported greater satisfaction with life. This relationship emerged in poor and rich countries alike. 136, that's the Gallup poll. And then the Heart Math Institute, very famous Christian publication, the Heart Math Institute. When you're altruistic, and then it tells us, because many of us don't know what that means because we don't, you know, study math. Lending a helping hand, your oxyto oxytocin level goes up, which helps relieve your stress. And then these are the links. If you want to take a picture or if you want to go back to it on our website, show the links again uh, between generosity and happiness. Those are articles. There's UC Berkeley, the John Templeton Foundation, you know, uh, a science study in 2017. So anyway, there are links, all right? So now, let me just say one thing, though, about generosity and selfishness, all right? Um, I just feel like I need to clear this up. I want to speak to the ladies for a minute, all right? There is an area of selfishness that men never grow out of. And just speaking for men everywhere, I want you to know something, all right? Please hear me. We do not want to share our food. And for some reason, you want our food. I don't, I don't what, what does every woman say, men, when you're going through the drive-thru and you say, would you like something? What does every woman say? No, I'll just have some of yours. No, you won't. <laughs> I'll buy you two orders of fries, but you're not getting any of my fries. And the fries that fall in the bottom of the bag are mine too. <laughs> so this first point, deal with a selfish heart, may only be for the men, okay, all right? 
Here's number two, deal with a grieving heart. A grieving heart. See, greed attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Greed before, grief after. Watch it right in your Bible. Verse 10, I'm just going right down to Deuteronomy 15. You shall surely give to him and your what? Heart, it's all about the heart, should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for all this thing, watch this. If you give, if you're generous, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Grief attacks us after you. Let me ask you this. Have you ever given like God, you felt like God spoke to you to start tithing or give a large offering or make a commitment to a building fund or something, and right after you do it, something around your house breaks? Isn't that amazing? And what does the devil do? You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have given that much money. See, greed attacks you before, grief afterwards. Now, I, I just was thinking, you know how I, I like to give $100 bills away? And I was just thinking, I don't, I don't have any $100 bills, and I, I, I need a, oh, look at that. That's $100 right there. See that 100 right there? Look at that. Okay, so you know what? Let's talk about this for a second. So why, when I said I didn't have any $100 bills, why did Mike get up that fast and give me this $100 bill? Well, let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> this is my $100. Now, let me ask you something. Is he grieving because he gave this to me? Are you, are you grieving? Oh, you are a little? Sorry. <laughs> hey, I should have chose someone else. Uh, but, uh, no, he's not grieving. He's joking. Okay. He's not grieving because he only gave me back what was mine in the first place. The earth is the Lord's and all those who dwell in it. Did you get the point? Don't ever grieve when you give back to God what's already his. All right, here's point number three. So one was deal with a selfish heart, two, deal with a grieving heart. Here's three, develop a generous heart. Verse 14, you shall supply him liberally or generously from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with. Told you it was God's anyway. You shall give to him. God said he wants us to be generous. See, we were born selfish. Children are selfish. If you have any, you know. They're selfish. But we're born again generous. Did you know you want to be generous? I'm not asking you to do anything you don't want to do. You want to. You want to. That's why I wrote the book Beyond Blessed, to help manage your funds, because people who don't manage it can never give it. So we're born again. So, uh, Josh and Hannah have two kids. Grady, their oldest, turned 16 this weekend. It's his birthday. And then their daughter, Willow, is 13, right? Okay. But when Willow was four years old, here in our children's church, when she got in the car, she said to Hannah, uh, her mother, our daughter-in-law, 
She said, did you know there was a woman in the Bible who only had two pennies, and she gave both of them to Jesus? And Hannah said, yeah, I've, I, I read that one time. I've heard about that. And uh, she said, that, it is amazing, isn't it? And Willow said, I want to give something to Jesus. So Hannah said, well, why don't you pray and ask Jesus what he wants you to give him? So Hannah said, I was watching in the rearview mirror. She's in the back seat in the car seat, you know. And she said, so Willow went like this, and then she put her hands up like this. And then she went, what? <laughs> Just wondering if you've ever had that. What? You want me to give what to the building fund? What? Are you crazy? You know, I'm like, uh, what? And then she said, little baby? And then she said, oh, oh, baby Lolo. Oh, yeah, you can have her. I don't like her. <laughs> okay, that's cute when you're four. It's not cute when you're 40. Do you know what I think God is actually saying to all of his kids? Now, this is a little tough. I think he's actually saying, grow up. And do you know the difference between a mature Christian, a mature believer, and an immature believer is generosity. I'm telling you, immature believers are selfish. Mature believers are generous. And here's the last one, number four, develop a grateful heart. Verse 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you or bought you back from being a slave. Therefore, I command you this thing today. I just want you to know, he is commanding his children to be generous. He said, therefore, I command you to be generous. I'm commanding you to do this, to help people, other people. I'm commanding you. And he said, let me tell you why I'm commanding you. Because you had nothing. You were enslaved. And I bought you back. Okay, so you may not have been enslaved in the natural, and most of you probably weren't. I don't know if anyone here was, but you were enslaved to sin. The Bible says we were slaves to sin, and he bought us. He purchased us with his own blood. So this verse applies to us. You need to remember, here's what he's saying, that you were a slave to sin, and I redeemed you with the blood of my own son. Therefore, I'm commanding you to be generous because everything you have came from me. Um, when uh, most of the time I do television interviews and um, for other places, and Debbie doesn't, you know, she doesn't like to do television interviews. If, I, if she knows the television interview is coming up and they want both of us, she schedules a root canal. So um, that's just not her thing, you know. So what I've done now, I've learned, is uh, I book an interview like two months in advance, and then I tell her like two days in advance, you know, so she can't get out of it. Um, but she's been asked this over and over on television, you know, and, but this is what, the, when we're talking about giving, and we talk about one time, and I'll share it in here, how we gave our house away. And uh, so they'll ask her, how did you feel when Robert told you he wanted to give y'all's house away. How'd you feel? And here's her answer always. 
I felt great. I felt great. And they say, why did you feel great? And she says, well, you have to remember that Robert wasn't saved when we got married. And I prayed that he'd get saved. And God answered my prayer. So every time he wants to give something extravagantly to the Lord, I thank God that I have a new husband. I have a new husband. And one time, one time one of the interviewers said, why do you think he gives so extravagantly? And this was her answer. Because he's never gotten over getting saved. He's never gotten over it. He remembers what he came out of. I'm just telling you, if you'll remind yourself how God saved you, you won't have a problem being generous. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask him. And in a moment at every campus, we're going to have people at the front who want to pray with you. And I want to remind you also that if you come forward for prayer, it doesn't mean you're a big bad sinner. Because we just want to agree with you. You, you might need to pray about something completely different than what I even preached about today. But don't ever come to church with a, a, a prayer need and leave without praying with someone. So, I mean, many of you should come to the altar. Many, many times. It, again, it does, and you're not joining the church. If you're not a member of Gateway, it doesn't mean you're joining the church. It just, it just means you're coming for prayer. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, and maybe you need prayer in this area because you might have grown up in a very poor home and it's been very difficult for you to be generous. But you want to be, so maybe you just need prayer in this area. But if you need prayer for any area, then after I pray, then we're going to invite you to be able to come at every campus for prayer, all right? Lord, I want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you that we can all, nearly all of us here can Agree with that last verse. We were slaves to sin, and you redeemed us. And Lord, I pray that Gateway Church, all of us, will be more generous in the future than we've ever been so that everyone can live a blessed, happy life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 71010 or visit gatewaypeople.com. We hope you have a great week.